where, where did you develop your musical aptitude that I see at the beginning of the video? If you can fit a line, you can fit a squiggle. If you can make me laugh, you can make me giggle. Stat Welcome to another episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors, the podcast where I bring in fascinating people from my world to talk about life, data science, sports analytics, content creation, and much, much more. I'm your host, Ken G. Hey, I have a special guest, Josh Stommer. Josh is someone who I've always looked up to in the YouTube space, and it's such a pleasure to have him on the show. Josh is the founder and CEO of StatQuest, a YouTube channel that teaches data science topics like statistics and machine learning. Prior to StatQuest, Josh was an assistant professor at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. At StatQuest, Josh makes data science topics clearly explained. Bam. In this interview, we track Josh's awesome journey into YouTube education, find the origin of his sound effects, and take a deep dive into Mr. StatQuest himself's learning philosophy. Double bam. Josh, thank you so much for coming in, agreeing to, to be interviewed today. I'm so excited to have you because one of the most common or some of the most common resources that are recommended by my subscribers to other subscribers are your videos, especially when it's relating to statistics. So I, I think it's incredible to have you in because you already had such an awesome impact on my community. And I wanted to, to bring you in to understand better your experience, especially with learning statistics, getting involved in these fields and, and teaching. Uh, because I think your perspective is going to be so valuable for people understanding themselves and also understanding how to make sense of this field in general. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Awesome. Well, you know, I would first like to get started by hearing a little bit more about your background. So maybe just how you started um, getting interested in like the data science, the math, and also you know, a little bit of an origin story. Maybe where do some of the sound effects come from? Uh, you know, where, where did you develop your musical aptitude that I see at the beginning of the video? If you can fit a line, you can fit a squiggle. If you can make me laugh, you can make me giggle. Stat quiz. <laughs> well, um, I think the sound effects are just, I think I was born with them. <laughs> Those I've I've always made sound effects and and when I was a little uh, when I was a little kid, um, I used to t you know I tell stories and I would just stick in all kinds of sound effects and I remember my friend Jake Roberts he, he told me he said Josh you were you were terrible at telling stories you're absolutely horrible here's why one you never start at the start you always start in the middle. Two, you're all over the place. You're like completely scatterbrained and you just talk about whatever, you know, is next on your brain. And three, you make sound effects the whole time. Bam. It's impossible to follow what you're doing. And I've since uh, tried to correct options, you know, uh, uh, observations number one and two, which which was I, now I do everything I can to start at the start. And I try to have some sort of uh, linear arc or, you know, I guess it's not a linear or if it's an arc, but you know what I'm saying? Some sort of like storyline that follows uh, a logical progression, but the sound effects, those are, you know, I can't change the sound effects. Those are just there. I mean, that's, that's just me. You get me excited and I say, bam. <laughs> I love a double bam. Double bam. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> double bam. Exactly. So, 
So that's, I guess that's how I started uh, to learn how to tell stories. Uh, not that I tell fictional stories or whatever, but, but teaching statistics or machine learning or whatever data science is, is similar to tell, telling any kind of story. It's a, it's a story of how are we going to solve this problem? And it's sort of an epic struggle because that problem is driving you crazy. And what are you going to do about it? And so you got to bring in the tools, the hardware, the statistics, the machine learning, and we got to see how it works and what it's going to do. And I've, uh, you know, and, and so I've tried to apply sort of Jake's uh, recommendations to what I do um, all the time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so you're, you asked a big question, which is sort of like, where did this come from? Where did I come from? What, what, are, who are you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who am I? <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, uh, you know, when I was in college, I, I had a double major in, in music and computer science, and, and I, I loved them both. And I discovered that if I um, sort of neglected one of those two things, I'd always get kind of sad. If I just did computers without music, then I'd be sad. And if I just did music without the computers, I would still be sad. So I had to do them both. Um, but, you know, every year when I was in college, I'd apply for summer jobs and I'd apply for artsy jobs and I'd apply for hardcore programming jobs. And I never got the artsy jobs and I always got the programmer jobs. And and so I was like, OK, now I know where the money is. Um, so that, you know, that's how, how I learned that. But but I kept doing the music uh, all the time and and uh as, as well um and when i graduated i think i did what a lot of people do do is i got a you know i just got a, a regular job doing database management uh specifically for me uh i was in a hospital and um i had i won't say he was the worst boss ever but he was not a good boss and he was always you know he was always um just asking me to do the most mundane things. And he'd use all these buzzwords in, in just all the wrong ways. He'd always say, Starmer, I need you to SQL the router table ASAP. And I'd go, all right, I'm on it. You know, I have no idea what he wants me to do, but I do know that as I leave the office, he says, and my printer's not working. And I'd go over and I'd look at his printer and it'd be flashing like, you know, load paper into tray two or something like that, just flashing at me. And I'd load paper into tray two and I'd, you know, you had that slap, you know, you slap the tray in real hard because otherwise it doesn't go in right. You slap it in and all of a sudden it starts printing out stuff and I go, printer's working. And he'd go, great. And then I just kind of go back to my job, not really knowing what I was doing um, and just putzing around. And and I think from that experience, I, I realized that I never wanted to have a boss like that ever again. Um, and so... I was like, one way, what's what's one way to never have a boss like that again? Well, I didn't really know, but I had an idea, which was I'd go to grad school and I'd get a, you know, I'd get an advanced degree and then maybe, um, maybe I'd be the boss, you know, maybe that'd be my way of kind of calling my own shots, especially if you kind of go into academics, because I always had this fantasy land that academics kind of just do whatever they want. Um, and so I went to grad school in something called bioinformatics because I was working in a hospital and they were like, you should get into, you know, become a, uh, uh, what is it? A physician or something. I was like, no, I'm blah, blah, blah. I can't do that stuff. So I went and did bioinformatics and that's, 
that's where I had my introductory to statistics. The very first thing, first class of statistics I ever took was in graduate school. And I took statistics 101 simultaneously with graduate level, like statistics 101 was like undergrad statistics, like for bio majors or something like that. And then simultaneously, I was taking graduate level statistical theory. And needless to say, none of it made any sense to me at all. It was completely confusing. However, it did introduce me to this concept of like, when you do something and then you do it again, it's not always the same. Like it introduced this concept of variation. Um, And I know it's, you know, maybe it's obvious, but it wasn't obvious to me that like every time you did an experiment in a lab, you didn't always get the exact same result. In fact, you rarely have ever got the exact same result. And um, and I just had this, I was like, my eyes open that, that, that there's this thing called variation. And that really captured my attention as like, wow, there's, I, I felt like I saw the whole world all of a sudden, not, not everything, but I, but I understood the world in a better way than I had before. And that's what kind of got me into statistics. However, the courses I took were completely confusing and made no sense to me at all. So I decided to start teaching myself statistics. And I, and I, I wasn't very good at teaching myself statistics, uh, but I wrote a little pamphlet that, which I called the notes. Um, and I wrote a little pamphlet and I had handed out to all my friends, you know, like, this is how I learned statistics. It was, it was like the original stat quest. Cause it was, on, it was printed on paper and it was just full of goon babble. Um, but, uh, but I just loved that process of trying to like, just dive in and teach myself what was going on and then see if I can come up with a better way than my classes to explain it. Because I was just, I was just floored by this concept of variation. And I thought, wow, this is one of the most important concepts I've ever come across in my life. And it seems obvious once you, once you say it, but it wasn't obvious to me and it was a real eye opener. And, and I guess that was, that was the first stat quest and it kind of like, you know, I didn't go into YouTube immediately. Uh, cause actually back then YouTube didn't even exist. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> pre YouTube. Um, so I, it, what had, you know, I, I've been rambling a long time, so I feel bad. I'm hogging the mic, but um, well, this is your interview by all means. I'm loving it. I'm eating it up. <laughs> but then after grad school, I got a job, uh, in a lab doing statistics for a bunch of uh, researchers who were doing awesome experiments and they were doing awesome stuff. And I was helping them out. And I felt like I was doing important work because these guys were doing killer work. And I was a, a critical part of that because they couldn't publish without the statistics done right. And sometimes the statistics had to be invented on the fly. Um, and so it was kind of a fun place to be, you know, we were on the cutting edge of all kinds of crazy stuff, but, uh, I didn't want my coworkers to think what I, what I was doing was magic. And so I started making these PowerPoint presentations that I would do Friday morning uh, for the lab. And I'd say, here, here's how a T test works, or here's how a confidence interval works or something like that. And the lab, um, because it's a, it's a research lab in a university had turnover. There's students coming and going basically every semester. And so uh, by then YouTube existed <laughs> and I thought, Oh, what I'll do is I'll put my videos on YouTube or I'll put these little presentations on YouTube. And so when a new person comes in the lab, rather than me having to do a whole new presentation on the R squared, I could just say, Hey, if you want to learn about R squared, check it out. We've got a, 
Uh, we've got a YouTube channel that has all these interesting videos on how to do statistics. Plus, if you're interested in cooking, I've got a few cooking videos up there as well. Um, and and that's we, sort of we can start a cooking channel someday. <laughs> exactly. Well, that was sort of like, I mean, back back then it was just a grab bag channel. It was like it was just yeah. my channel, and I just put whatever I wanted on it. And I, if I had cooking tips, I put those up. If I had uh, uh, statistical tips, I put those up. If I had a new song, I'd put that up. Um, and then, you know, after a while, the, the channel kind of took off on its own. Um, but that's the, that's the origin story. And I guess that's the story of, of me and, um, why, (laughs) why I do what I do, I guess. Well, I love so many things about your story. I mean, the first thing is that, you know, you realize you're introspective of yourself in college that, Hey, if I'm not doing the music or I'm not doing the computer science, I'm not happy. And if you look where you are now, you get to integrate that into, into your work every day, basically. And I'll tell you what, people eat it up. They love it, right? Oh, I, I mean, yeah. I personally love it. I, I think your videos are, are so much different than any of the other ones on those similar topics because they do have the, the, like, the, the cadence and like a rhythm to them, which I think is, is incredible. Uh, you know, I, I try and take a lot of inspiration from that when I make videos as well. I definitely don't do it as well as you, but um, I think it, it's it's awesome. One, you know, you, you start out with a little riff, you you have um, like you understand tension. And that's something that I think you intuitively understand so well from from music. Um, the other thing is the storytelling element, right, where. You know, I, I, maybe I should bring your, your friend on on the podcast sometime. Just just get some of the, the extra dirt on you. But um, no, I, I think that you're so right that um, what what you do as a teacher, what you do as an educator is just telling a story. And if you're telling a boring story about boring material, no one's going to learn anything. That's the truth. All right. And so. Any way you can you can tell it that makes it more interesting, that gives it some more context, especially, you know, I, I hate to say it, uh, quite a few people might think that the content um, around, you know, the, the subject area of statistics or computer science or whatever it might be is just a little bit dry, right? And, the, you know... <laughs> I say it all the time. <laughs> and, and, you know, the fact that you can make it interesting to watch um, the fact that you can make it, you know, fun it is is such a gift, in my opinion. I mean, um, obviously you've worked hard for for it, so maybe maybe an, an earned gift. But um, yeah, I mean, the last thing that that I I really wanted to touch on that I loved that you said was, you know, a lot of the times it wasn't obvious to you in certain things. And it seemed like it was obvious to other people or, you know, maybe it was, but you didn't know. And yeah. you, know, you wanted to make materials that answered the questions that, that you had, even though, you know, you were, you were it clearly advanced in this field, but you were still saying like, Hey, this doesn't quite match up to me. Yeah. Um, I think that that's so important because in learning, I know as a student, you can have the least intimidating professor. You can have, uh, you, you know, but you're still a little scared to ask, questions that you had because maybe you're scared that the other students will think you're dumb or or something oh, like that. I know and, that yeah i mean and the fact is that that 
you should, or, or as a learner, we should be asking these questions. If we don't know something, sometimes we forget really obvious stuff, you know? Um, I, I do it all the time. I have to Google some really, really basic stuff sometimes. And luckily there's Google, but yeah. also, you know, in your videos, if you're touching on like, oh, you know, if, if you need a refresher on this topic, I have another video on this where I break it down very clearly. Um, <clears throat> I just think that that's so important because a lot of the times we think we set the baseline too high. You know, the more I learn, the more I forget that other people don't know a, a certain baseline of, of whatever it is. And um, I mean, it, it is it is so important to be in tune with that. And, you know, it's nice that you have a lot of these videos out there that you've already done on these concepts and you can link to them. But uh, I love that you stay grounded in that thought is that this wasn't obvious to me. So I, yeah. I want to make it make sure I kind of hammer these things home uh, for anyone watching. The, the other thing, which, which may sound a little sad is, um, you know, I grew up the youngest of a, of a bunch of brothers and sisters and they were always doing cool stuff. And I, I, I kind of always wanted to be a part of it, but I was so much younger and they were like, Josh, get out of our fun activity. You're not invited. And, um, you know, and I, and I mean, don't get me wrong. My brothers and sisters are great, but, but, and, and it, maybe this isn't, a, you know, a, the best story, but, but, but I feel like I've got a great sense of what it feels like to be left out. I'm a, I'm a, I mean, it could also be that I'm just a huge nerd. And whenever I go to parties, I would just, I'd be that wallflower that'd be looking around really uncomfortable going, Oh my gosh, what do you do at a party? Do you just go home? That's what I want to do real bad. Uh, you know, I've always had this sense of like there being like people that are doing things that I don't really know what they're doing and I want to know. And I just have a real strong sense of like what it feels like to not know and feel like you're on the outside of that. And so when I make my videos, I try to make it so that everybody feels welcome, you know, regardless of what they know or what they don't know. Um, I try to speak uh, to those people and I say, this is statistics. It's a party. And everybody's invited. And if you're not, if you're not feeling comfortable with it, uh, I'm going to take it real slow and I'm going to bring you on board and you're going to be just rocking it with the rest of us at this awesome, super fun statistics party. And, uh, and you know, that's, that's my attitude towards it. I don't want anyone to feel like they're on the outside of statistics. I want everyone to come on in and, and have a great time with me. I love that. Well, I, I actually really like that analogy. I mean, I, I was an only child growing up, so I had like the opposite problem. I just like, didn't know how to interact with anyone. Um, but, you know, it's interesting when, when you're, let's say it's a social situation. I, I think a lot of people, they feel like there's like something that they're missing, right? They ju there's just like one little thing that'll click and then they'll be part of the conversation at the party or they'll feel more comfortable, whatever it is. And, you know, I, I think that that's largely true, but it's something different for everyone. Um, whether it's like a, something, a, 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 something that can open a conversation or, or getting comfortable, everyone is a little bit different and understanding some of the different pitfalls that people have on learning statistics. Maybe it's, uh, they're, they're just terrified of numbers for some weird reason and making, breaking it down to say that, Hey, like this is logic. This isn't necessarily math for the most part, you know what I mean? Or, or whether it's that, um, you know, just like the concept of a p-value is is uh, 
well, I, I have my own problems with p-values in general, but uh, <laughs> confusing and counterintuitive. Exactly. Yeah, and and yeah, pretty arbitrary. So, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's totally arbitrary. Um, yeah. So uh, one advantage I had uh, early on is, um, you know, I present my 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 little classes to a bunch of biologists and they're like, statistics, uh, you know, there's a reason why I'm a biologist and not a statistician. I took a class in statistics and I hated it and I didn't learn anything. So these people, uh, they, when I, when I used to do these for the lab, uh, it was great because, uh, they would ask all kinds of things that I'd never thought of. You know, I, I, I get wrapped up in my own ways of thinking of them uh, just as much as, anyone else does. Uh, and I'd go, Oh, it, it, I mean, I'd make a presentation. I go, Oh, this is super obvious. And then I'd run it by them and they'd be like, that doesn't make any sense at all. And so I had a lot of practice with them. And I used to have a, uh, a good friend at work named Dom and Dom was fantastic because I could just watch his face. And while I was going through my little presentation, his face would just get more and more like, what? You know, I could just see it written all over his face, how confused he was. And and it was just great because it was such a good, like, way of measuring, like, how good a job I'm doing. And I was like, if I can't keep Dom on board, then I need to, like, try harder. And um, and so, uh, yeah, and so Dom was a, a fantastic sort of barometer on, like, how understandable my presentations were. And now that I'm, I'm no longer working in the lab... Uh, I've actually got to deal with them still when I do a, st- when I make a stack quest, it's still a rough draft. I z- like during COVID I zoom in uh, every now and then on a Friday morning and, and some of the lab members will still help me out by kind of going through the rough draft and saying that doesn't make any sense at all. Where does that number come from or whatever? And it's just, it really gets me out of my own little head and helps me see uh, the presentation, the way other people might perceive it out, outside of, of me. Well, I, I mean, th- that's even an area I didn't expect this interview to go, but I, I again, love it is that and how important feedback is in, in order to get better, how important other people are, uh, you know, putting, for example, a project out there uh, that you've done and sharing it with the world, you, you get, it, it, you, people think of things that you don't naturally think of. And it's really, really important, especially as an educator, to realize that not everyone thinks the same way you do. Not everyone faces the same problems you do. A lot of people probably do, but yeah. I, I I love that that process. And you get even more feedback from the YouTube comment section or yeah. from all of these things. And uh, you know, I, I tremendously value that feedback. I read and respond to every comment still, which might become slightly unsustainable soon. Yeah. Um, but the idea that you know like feedback to me is valuable. Like as data scientists, as statisticians, as whatever it is, like those are all data points, right? Like that, that helps us like do a better job in general. So I always welcome it. I look forward to it. And it's fun to analyze as well. I've been working on a, hopefully doing a project maybe at the end of the year where I'll I'll look through and do some text analysis on all my comments. Uh That would be a a fun little, a little, uh, little project to put together <laughs> very cool i yeah i, I want to see that. that that sounds like a lot of fun yeah we'll see i i've like a traditional data scientist i've got about 50 projects i want to do 
and time for about half of one. So yeah, <laughs> I, yeah I know that feeling. I, I know I know that feeling very well. <laughs> oh, it's it's the curse of curiosity, right? Yeah, it is. So I'd love we we talked we touched quite a bit on this already, but I would love to hear more specifically about your learning or your teaching philosophy. Right. What what makes an effective you know presentation course, and what makes someone receptive to learning truly from your perspective? Uh, I do. So I'm actually, this is something I've actually feel very strongly about. Um, Perfect. I, I like to start everything with data or a specific problem or something. I don't, I, I, I never try to, well, these days, maybe when I first started, I was doing things differently, but these days I, I always try to start with a problem um, or data or something like that, that we need to do something to. We need to analyze this data. We've got to fit a line to this data. Why do we even fit, have to fit a line to that? I, I, you know, I try to give people context for the problem. I go, you know, we've, you know, yeah, I don't know. We might, we want to predict, you know, whether this drug is going to work or not based on the patient's height or age or something like, or the dosage, you know, we want to make these predictions because if we don't do it accurately, well, we could, we could hurt them. Them or we could, you know, we want to help them and we don't want to hurt them. So I try to give some sort of context or some sort of problem that we need to solve. And, you know, obviously, given the, given the topic of whatever stat quest I'm working on, uh, obviously it can be solved or, uh, you know, you can, you can make good headway using whatever that topic it is we're going to drive in, dive into. But I always like starting with that problem first rather than the solution. You know, I always like, I like having a problem that we then find a solution for rather than a solution that we then find a problem for, you know, like a, a lot of textbooks that I read, get it backwards. You know, they'd be like, here's the chain rule in complete algebra notation. And, you know, if it makes, it makes sense to you. Awesome. If it doesn't, then, you know, you're out here's, of luck. Yeah. Here's a couple throwaway examples yeah. after the fact. After the fact, like at the end of the chapter, they're like, and you can use the chain rule to do this. And I'm like, no, that's not how you teach the chain rule. You start with like, how do you, you know, how do you predict how hungry someone is based on their shoe size? Well, if you know their shoe size, you might know their height. And if you know their height, you might know their weight. And if you know their weight, you might know how much they eat. And if you know how much they eat, you might know how much, how hungry, you know, it's like, and you can chain all these things together, you know, and, um, and that's how you teach the chain rule. You don't, you don't start with like F of X prime equals G of X prime times something else, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then, and then just go. You don't get it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's no way to teach something. Uh, but a lot of people think of it that way because they're, I think, I think because they're excited about the tools you know, math and, and machine learning and statistics, these are all cool things, but they're just tools for solving problems. But I know a lot of people are just like super into the tools and the, because they're kind of like toys, I guess, you know, and you can play with them, you know, and that's fun. Uh, but my perspective is like most people aren't going to think, hey, it's fun to play with the toys. 
uh, most of people are going to be like, I need to get something done for work because I need to get a raise or I need to get this done just so I can keep my job or or maybe I want to pass an exam or something like that. I, I feel like most people are more like problem-based and they want to solve problems. And, and those people that are like, hey, these toys are really fun. I'm going to play with them. I mean, those are the people that like, are mathematicians and you know are are super geniuses and whatever and those people are awesome because they invent awesome cool stuff that I can then like talk about in my videos uh but my videos are that's not really their my my audience or you know if 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 someone can sit down and just look at an equation and go bam if if that's if that's their skill set then they don't need to be watching me i i, I my audience is is for people like me that are like i need to have it visualized i need to have context i need to have all these things and so those are um i mean that's sort of like the foundation of my uh teaching philosophy is like it has to be problem based it has to be problems in search of solutions rather than solutions in search of problems um, I, I can't, I can't understand it any other way. I love that so much. And this analogy just kind of came to me while you were talking. I, I look at computer science. I look at statistics. It's almost like its own language, right? Uh-huh. And uh, people who are starting off on their journey into those things, they don't have a good understanding of the language. And if you were trying to explain something or a concept to someone who didn't speak the same languages as you, how would you do it? Let's say I go to an indigenous tribe, I don't speak their language, and I try to explain what a knife does. How would I do that? I would cut something. They would understand exactly what it is. And same thing with with what we're doing. If if someone doesn't have the lexicon to be able to really conceptualize what what we might be saying, or or you know, like broadly saying, or like the theory or whatever it might be, let's show them, you know, that same thing with the knife. Let's cut something. Yeah, because that that immediate in their mind gives them a frame of reference, something they can work off, something they can attach that theory to. And yeah. I I struggled with that so much as a student myself. I I mean I oh I was a terrible student growing up, and then once I started having sports to stick my st- statistics or economics theory on, exactly, just boom overnight everything clicked and it made sense. So I yeah. probably should have said bam. Bam. I apologize. But... <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, no, I, yeah, yeah. What you said was, is, is exactly right. Um, you know, I, I, I'm pretty certain with, you know, it's probably one out of every hundred people that does not have this experience. And the experience is, why do I have to learn all this math? You know, when you're like in junior high school and you throw up the book and you're like, ah, oh, why is this important to my like life as a teenager? You know, uh, you know, we've all had that experience of like just that frustration of like it has no relevance to me, but it actually does. It has all so much relevance, you know. And like specifically with with sports, that's what I think is awesome about your angle that you take is that's something that's approachable at almost any age. You know, almost any age group or demographic has some sport, you know, that they love or they play or they're into and and I just, you know, there's so many great examples. And when you, when you take it that direction and you say, Hey, you could be a better golf player. You could be a better soccer player. You could be, if you, you know, if you just thought about it a little bit and then all of a sudden I was like, Oh yeah, I got to learn these tools. Cause I want to become, it becomes relevant in such a cool way. And I, I just, I love that. I, 
because then they get excited about it. Everyone gets excited about getting better at whatever they love doing. You know, that's an exciting thing. Well, what kid doesn't care about, let's say they play baseball. What kid doesn't, what kid doesn't care about their batting average or how many hits they get or how many bases they feel. All all these things are are math, right? And if if you're a kid, that's probably the right level of math for you to be thinking about. And so it's, it's, you know, hopefully a, a good launch pad. Maybe if, if teachers used a few more sports examples or uh, maybe even esports examples yeah. now. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, for an example, you know, when I was learning statistics, you know, I was trying to learn this thing called Fisher's exact test, you know, and the classic example is urns with marbles in them. And who has an urn of marbles? Nobody. Well, <laughs> okay, you might have, but I don't have one. And I don't know anyone else other than you that has an urn full of marbles. So, uh, so when I, uh, you know, I was like, wait a minute, well, we could teach the exact same context con- concepts using a bag of M&Ms. And everyone's, I mean, not everyone, but a lot of people. A lot more people have had a bag of them. Way more people have had M&M experiences than have had urns plus marble experiences. You know, and so that was, you know, uh, I'm always trying to find ways that are like more common or more relatable, like, sure, you know, and I don't know if this happened to you, but especially with a bag of M's, M&M's, if you poured it out and all you got were green M&M's, you'd be like, dang, this is crazy. Or unless you got a bag that was special. Christmas M&M's, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think it's kind of, yeah, Christmas M&M's, that's cheating. Um, but I think it's kind of cool that you can look at that and go, this is crazy what's what are the chances of this you know is this is this a special hand of m&ms this is my good luck m&ms i better eat them all real quick so i can you know hit the baseball farther than ever before because this is my lucky day you know that kind of thing and so i feel like that's the kind of statistics people can relate to and and i'll be honest i don't always find the perfect example that people can relate to but i i try to do something that is a little less abstract than an urn full of marbles uh which is just you know, some of the more tired, worn out uh, examples out there in statistics land. Well, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think that anything that we can do if we're producing educational content to make it slightly more relatable, more interesting, I wouldn't say it's our obligation, but I, I don't see why, it, you know, if you had to choose between two, let's do a small A-B test. Yeah. And so, and you could explain the same thing with those two options. What would... Almost everyone choose. Yeah. Probably the bag of MNAPs, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, why don't we just make it a little bit easier for the students sometimes? And, yeah. and um, you know, I don't think anyone wants to go online or go to a course and learn a lot of this fluff material um, or, or, or do things that aren't related. I mean, a, a fun one would be, hey, you know, uh, I'm not sure if you're a, a football fan, but Marshawn Lynch, uh, one who's a running back would always eat Skittles after he scored a touchdown or something like that. And you could say, oh, Marshawn Lynch has whatever. He just scored a touchdown, pours out the Skittles, whatever. I mean, it's just the, adding additional layers, making it a story, making it interesting to someone, right? I totally love it. That's awesome. That's such, I didn't know about that about the Skittles, but but yeah, that's I, that's a killer story. Yeah. He has uh, a, a Skittles machine at his house, just unlimited Skittles. He's, I think he's sponsored by them. Oh my gosh. I mean, he's retired now, but 
it's, it's just Still eating the skittles <laughs> oh i'm sure i'm sure his dentist is thrilled <laughs> oh wow that's hilarious okay. so i wanted to uh, continue down the educator path and maybe learn a little bit more about your experience with youtube selfishly it's a little bit for me too but maybe what are some of the things that you enjoy most about putting stuff on a platform like YouTube and, and a couple of the things that, that you've learned through that process. We've talked a, a lot about what you, you know, teaching wise, but I think it's also fun to flip it and say, Hey, what have you learned? You know, I've learned, a, I, ha, I have learned a lot. Um, one thing I've learned is uh, in this, I, I started learning and I feel like I'm still learning is, um, you know, I grew, I grew up, whenever you give a presentation, you had a laser pointer and you like hold your laser pointer up and you'd wave it around and you'd point at things. Well, on YouTube, I guess you can have a virtual laser pointer, but, but it, at least when I started doing YouTube, it wasn't obvious how that worked. Um, and I spent a lot of time learning and thinking about how to direct people's eye to what I want them to look at rather than having to circle it with a laser, uh, which to be honest, I think is kind of like, I, you know, back when I was using a laser pointer all the time, I was like, yeah, you use a laser pointer. That's how you give a presentation. But now I've realized that um, laser pointers are actually terrible ways for giving presentations because, because it's this little green dot or red dot or whatever your color is moving around pretty rapidly. And I feel like, like, you know, if I did that for my cats, my cats would go bonkers, but they would not go bonkers about what I was pointing at. They'd be bonkers going for the for the green light itself and not the, the, the thing I'm trying to focus your attention on. They, they would, they would have to be completely oblivious to what I'm pointing at and just the green light itself is fascinating. And I know we're not cats. You and I are different than cats, but we're also, I feel like we do have some primitive instincts. And when we see something that's moving, we track it, you know? And I, and I think that's a primitive, like, Oh, I see some motion. I think that's something built into how our brain manipulates visual stimuluses and or stimuli, I guess that's the better way to put it, but you know what I'm saying? Like, and I feel like a, a moving green light on a screen isn't actually going to help focus my attention on anything in particular. It's just going to distract me instead. And so I spent a lot of time uh, figuring out how to focus people's attention on whatever I'm very interested in them focusing on. So what does that mean? That means one, getting a lot of stuff off the screen, like decluttering a lot. Uh, that also means, um, I, I put like a, like a, like a semi-transparent gauze over everything else. So it's kind of blurry and hard to see. And the one thing is in focus, you know, I'm trying to get people to look at. Uh, and I do, so those are my tricks that I've kind of sort of been developing over the time and kind of learning uh, as I go, how to do this and how to use colors to highlight certain things and how to, how to not use colors because they're clashing. And I'm not very visually artistic and you can tell that from my presentations and my stat quest, but at least I That's try good. to make it so that, that the colors are, 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 you know, they don't all bleed together and you can distinguish one thing from another. And uh, what else have I learned? Um, I mean, I've learned so I got to say uh, this is something most people, most people assume that, I, I was born and I, and I, and I came out of the womb and I'm like statistics and machine learning data science. Got it. 
a lot of people think that, but I'll be honest. I, I, I'm right now I'm doing a, a series on, on neural networks. I did not understand how neural networks worked before I started this series. Uh, just a couple of months ago, I'd never, I mean, I'd seen neural networks and I'd, and I'd tried to learn a little bit about it. And I'd always been like, I don't get it. It's complicated. Um, but I think in August, I just, I just sat down and I worked on it for a solid month and I've learned how neural networks work. And, and then I made my video and that's, that's something I'm learning. Basically every topic that I cover, I just learned that topic, you know, uh, some of it's stuff I've worked with for a long time, but uh, but a lot of it's new, especially the machine learning stuff is new for me. And I just love, I love that learning aspect and, and, and seeing if I can come up with a new way of explaining. To me, that's like such a fun puzzle to solve is I'll, I'll read, you know, about neural networks online and I'll, and I'll try to, I'll think about it and I go, well, is there a way that I can explain this? that would be more clear to me because, because a lot of explanations are pretty heavy on the linear algebra um, and sort of mathematical notation. And I'm like, yeah, that's not really my, my thing. I look at those things and I, and I go, I mean, I mean, I'm just not that good at doing math. I can't just look at the equations and go, ah, oh, yeah, that's awesome. I have to draw it out. So, I, you know, it's really fun and satisfying to be able to do that. That being said, almost, I almost always go through a phase of extreme self-doubt, like specifically, like recently, right? With neural, with neural networks. I mean, I, I read a bunch of stuff and I was like, I don't know if I can even do this. You know, I go through a phase of like, there's just no way I can't, it's too complicated. I can't even understand it. I go through a lot of self-doubt and I've done it enough now at this point that I can that I can sit myself down and go, don't panic. Just keep plugging away and keep reading and trying to find more resources and just trying to ingest more and more stuff. And sooner or later, you will get it. Uh, and I'll be like, no way. It's too complicated. I can't do it. My hands are sweaty. And, uh, and I'll have to go, nope, you've been here before. When you did gradient descent, that freaked you out. When you did XG boost, that freaked you out. Now you're doing neural networks. It's freaking you out. Don't worry about it. You'll get through it. You know, and so that's something I've learned is um, is one. I'm I'm going to go through these cycles of complete like I can't do it. Uh, uh, it's too complicated. I, I don't even understand it. I'll never understand. It. I go through a lot of self doubt, and then I kind of go. And, but I know it and I have to stick to it and I keep going and I get to the other side of that and I feel so good. You know, it's such a, it's not just a relief, but it's like you're on the top of the mountain and you can see a billion miles. All of a sudden I feel like the clouds have lifted and uh, you know, it's, it's, I just love that feeling of like, I got it. I love it. I wake up in the middle of the night and I'll be like, I got it. You know, I can see it. I can see the pictures in my head of how to explain this concept you know, and I'll, I'll try it and it probably won't work uh, because it never works on the first try, but, but at least I'm already, you know, I'm starting to make that progress. And I just love that sense of, of accomplishment that I get from, from doing the videos. I, I, I it's just, I, I just, I love that aspect. Uh, so that's the, that's the kind of good and the, and the, and the side, I will say there's, I have learned a few bad things about YouTube and, you know, when, you know, I'm very fortunate 
in that my videos get seen by a lot of people and that's awesome. People like them, they share them. I love that. It means a lot to me. Um, but not everyone in the world is really nice. And, and when you're, I, I, I see, I see the world's population as a normal distribution and, and, you know, 95% of the people are just awesome. That's all there is to it. They're awesome people, but there's a, there's a, there's a small, maybe it's even just one, maybe 99% of the people are awesome. And there's just 1% that are just mean and nasty. And when you just talk to a few people on the street, you got your friends or whatever, you don't, you don't really meet that many people. So most of the people you meet are in the middle of that distribution and they're awesome. Uh, but when your videos get a lot of play, you, you start getting those outliers every now and then those people that are just mean and all they want to do is ruin your day. Um, and I'd never really met those people before I started doing YouTube and it, and it doesn't, it's not like I meet them all the time, but they pop up every now and then, uh, there's people that are full of rage and, 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 and nothing better to do, I guess, right? And nothing better to do. And just, you know, there's some, they've got their problems. Uh, uh, and that when I first started to encounter those people, uh, that kind of freaked me out. Like I, I didn't, I didn't know that, that it's that these people have their own problems that they need to work on. And it's not me necessarily. I, I could be anyone and they'd be just as mean and evil. Um, you know, and so that was, that was a learning thing for me is, is, is kind of learning that I shouldn't take, you know, a lot of people say nice things on my YouTube channels all the time and it's great. And I love it. And I love it. It means a lot to me that, that my videos connect with them and they learn something. I love that. But it got to where, I get a lot of positive feedback. You know, everyone's like, yeah, StatQuest is helping me. I, I just got a job because of StatQuest or I passed a test because of StatQuest. This is great. This is great. This is great. And then I get one that's like, StatQuest is, you know. It's a plague on the on the math community or something, right? I, I, I seriously got some guy who said, you are destroying all that is good about education. <laughs> <laughs> that's brutal. Or something yeah. like, you know, it's, it's, I think they had some swear words in there as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, this, something I said touched some nerve and this guy just, it rubbed him the wrong way. Um, and I took it very personally. And all of a sudden, all that nice, awesome stuff that people had been saying to me, I just simply, I forgot about it. And all I could think about was that one mean thing. And it didn't matter that like, it was only one out of a, uh, you know, a thousand comments or 2000, it might've been one out of 10,000 comments that I got this one really mean one. Uh, it didn't matter that I get so much positive stuff. All I could think about was that one mean guy that was like, Statquist is evil and should be shut down and you should be ashamed of yourself, Starmer. That's and your I bread tastes bad. And, <laughs> bread and, I songs and blah, blah, blah. And no bam for you. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. You know, I, all I could think about was the negative. And so I had to learn how to, you know, and it seems it's like one of these things, it seems obvious in hindsight, don't, I shouldn't take it personally, but I did, you know, I didn't know what to do. I'd never, it was new to me. I'd never, I'd never put stuff online before and, and everything I, that was happening was new to me. And, and now I know, yeah, sure. You don't take it personally. And, um, you know, and that person probably has a lot of other problems in their life. Uh, maybe they're in like serious debilitating pain all the time. And it's hard to be in a cheerful mood when you're in serious debilitating pain all the time. I don't know what their situation is. I can't see them. Uh, 
but they probably have some problem that that is out of my control and I can't do anything about. Uh, so I shouldn't take it personally. And that was that was the learning thing that I had to 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 I had to grow as a creator. And um, I, I you know I, I, there's a there's a really great I, I like reading books by Neil Stevenson. And uh, he's just my favorite author. I just I just like reading, rereading his books. That's a great pastime of mine. Uh, but he has a great quote. He says, I can think of nothing more debilitating to a creator than worrying that someone out there in the Internet might object. You know, we wouldn't make any videos if, if that was the case, anything. right? You know, we'd all be crippled. And so I, we just have to learn that, like, yeah, people are going to object. They're going to say, oh, this is stupid or you're stupid or something something like they're going to, they might be mean. Um, and, and that's okay. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to let that get in the way of me uh, creating what I create. Cause I know it reaches a lot of people and it's worth it. You know, I, I, it's, it's something, it's something I, I know is, is important for me to be doing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think it's, it's basic human psychology that we weigh negative things more than we weigh positive things. Yeah. We're looking in the wilderness and we see a tiger once and it you know, almost kills us. We're going to remember that a lot more and be more scared of tigers or whatever it is. Or whenever we hear of leaves rustle, we're going to be terrified all the time because it's survival. Yeah. And I, I think over time, we also hopefully get a little bit desensitized to negative stuff. I mean, people have definitely said some fairly not nice things uh, about, you know, e- even personal things, not even the stuff I'm saying. They don't like the sound of my voice or I speak too yeah. slow or whatever that might be. Yeah. 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 And at the end of the day, when I, when you read those, they suck. And you can't stop thinking about it for at least a couple days. But the more I hear them, the more I get used to it. And yeah. Yeah. I realize that, that the vast, vast majority of the people that watch any of our stuff find it helpful. They find it useful. They, they're appreciative and Whenever I have one of those bad things, I just kind of go through all the nice things people have said, and and it really, it really makes me feel a lot better. Yeah. Um, but also to your to your point about the self the self doubt, just rewinding a little bit, I think that's so important to realize is that even even StatQuest himself has these doubts about some of these things, <laughs> and it's normal. But. It, one of the greatest capabilities that we have as humans is our ability to adapt, to grow and understand. And when you look back at the concepts that used to give you trouble, a lot of the times you realize, Hey, this is so easy to me now. I get it. And that feeling to me is just as great as that feeling of accomplishment. It's that I was able to grow so much in whatever period of time in in a day, it feels like you can go anywhere, but in a week, in a month, you look back and Oh my goodness, I I'm, I'm the king of that concept now. I've, I've dominated it. Yeah. And I, I, that's probably one of the reasons why I like data science so much is because there are so many of those, so many of those moments where, oh my God, this is so hard. I, I remember in, in grad school, I had to build a neural net from scratch in MATLAB. Uh-huh. And yeah. one of the easiest activation functions is, is ReLU, right? Yeah. It, it, it's not overly complex. Yeah. But the way we were, the way I was understanding it, I was looking at the math. I could not, I couldn't understand it. And it's yeah. like, this looks like this. I can't implement it. Why can't I implement it? And then once, once you've coded it, you look at the, at the, at the editor and you're, you're just befuddled at how simple it is. 
Yeah, it's true. It's super simple. Um, and I had huge doubts about that project. I eventually got things working very well, but at the same time, that whole process is fighting. I'm not going to get this done. And I have this deadline. I, I don't think I can do it. I mean, this is some of technically the most advanced technology that's out there. How am I supposed to build this from scratch? Yeah. And then I look back and I'm like, well, it's just these things. There's weights and biases, and um, you know, we have these these layers, and it's not that not that complex an architecture in my mind now. Yeah. But but it's it's crazy how our brain can shift over a reasonably short period of time to view it in a completely different way. That's true. It's no longer scary. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, I mean. I'm doing a video. It'll probably be out before this this comes out, but on just how GitHub works oh, and, cool. and why it's useful for data science. Mm -hmm. But I, I use Git a reasonable amount in, in my life, but nothing too complex. And it's mostly for my own use case. I'm not partnering with people. And I was like, oh, I'll make a, a single video on this. It'll be easy. And oh my goodness, there is so much more. The, the, the rabbit hole just keeps going on and on and on. Yeah. But that's also kind of fun. Is how do I take this really... It's not necessarily complex, but this really big concept that's really important and break it down into a single video where someone can watch and be like, oh, I, I get what this is and I could probably use it now. That's a fun, fun challenge, right? Yeah. 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 Super fun. Yeah. That's, I, one, I'll, I'll be honest. One of the things that I, I started working on and I kind of failed on was I, I was like, oh, it's election, election season. This would be a great time to do a stat quest on polling statistics. And, um, you know, because like we look at polls all the time. You look at the news and they're like, hey, someone's ahead by this margin or blah, blah, blah. And, uh, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a snap because, you know, if, if they can publish this on the cover of USA Today, then, you know, how complicated could it be? And, oh, my gosh, I opened up the craziest can of worms i've ever seen i was like there's no way so i actually threw in the towel pretty early on i was like i, I was like this i wanted this to be like a short five minute video i was like no this is gonna be like a 10 part like 30 minute long each thing it's like we could, we could run this on prime time tv on thursday nights between 7 and 8 30 um you know i was like dang this is crazy i mean but i learned a ton in that process i was like wow i did not know there was half of this stuff going on i always thought it was like someone's ahead by five points big deal you know no it's like a huge deal and it's really complicated wow i that's something i have very little exposure to so it's uh if you ever end up doing figuring out how to make it maybe even just 50 minutes uh, <laughs> I'd love to do it. It's something I think would be fun, but it's that's sort of the challenge for me right now. It's like, how do I break it down so that I can com convey the weird complexities that are involved in all the, all the, there's a star next to every little aspect in polling statistics. And so how do you convey that without just getting lost in the details? Cause everything is like, sure you do this, but blah, blah, blah. You know, there's, everything's got a caveat and it's not very straightforward at all. Well, uh, I, I I think those problems are fascinating because there's always a little bit of a a, a a scapegoat associated with it is to just say, hey, this is more complex than people realize. And that's an observation in and of itself. Yeah. I remember I did an analysis in grad school. I, I enjoy watching UFC fighting and I always thought the judges were terrible. <laughs> so I took all of the all of the data for the matches that went to a decision uh -huh. and I tried to predict who would win the decision 
if the if the match ended up there based on the statistics from each round. And I yeah. could not build a model that would predict it over 55% accuracy. It was awful. Really? And wow. I realized, oh my goodness, you know, maybe my models aren't bad. Maybe the judging is just truly bad. Yeah. And that's another story. That's another narrative in and of itself. I mean, I, my models could just be bad. I was a grad student. What did I know? But uh, at the same time, there's that bigger concept, that bigger picture of maybe I found something that I wasn't necessarily looking for that, that opens up an area of doubt or pokes some holes in, in a system that, that is slightly flawed. So I, I, I think those angles are always fascinating and you never know what you're going to find, right? You never know what you're going to find. And uh, yeah, there's something to be said just about the fact that something that seems simple is actually crazy complicated. So there's something to be said about that too. Maybe something um, that should be simple is all actually crazy complicated. It's true. And it's funny. The, the things that are crazy complicated, like neural networks, end up the opposite. They're like super simple. There's nothing to them once you really break them down into their constituent pieces. And you're like, oh, what? That was a big, that was supposed to be a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. It's super simple. And it's funny. I, that's something I love. I love seeing something complicated or something that's intimidating and then realizing it's just sort of like a teddy bear of simplicity. You know, it's just, it's just you gotta you gotta you gotta take all that 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 jargon and lingo stuff, you know, and they're and the fancy notation. You get rid of all that stuff, and you're like, oh, you're just adding and multiplying stuff. How hard is that? You know, I can Not, do that. Yeah, exactly. Well, I, I think that's that's a problem in and of itself with the jargon is this whole field of you know I call it data science. Yeah, ninety five percent of it is statistics, mm-hmm. and we have different ways of calling independent variables or features right yeah. and you know dependent variable target variable or, or whatever we'd like to call it and why do yeah. we have a different lexicon for the same I stuff i know I, I i yeah exactly um yeah it'd be nice if they just came up with a consistent thing i'll, I'll, I'll tell you some other pet peeves or add it um pet i'm peeves. sure i'm guilty so no, no no this is not you this is not you this is statistics okay. uh uh, there's this concept of a false positive and there's a concept of a false negative, you know, like a false positive is like we did, a, a you know, we've got two things that are actually the same, but we did a statistical test on them and the P value was super small. And we go, the statistical test says they're different. Well, that's what they call a false positive, right? Um, because, um, because it says there's something special when there isn't something special. Um, that's like, you know, thinking like, Hey, I'm going to eat pizza tonight. I'm really excited. I like pizza. And then you realize you, when you show up to dinner, it's, you don't get pizza. You, you, you get something that's not any exciting. Anyway, maybe that's a bad way to explain it, but I'm just saying there's this concept of a false positive. I think that's relatively easy to explain that, that like a false positive is, is when you're kind of, you know, say like you, you hit the, uh, you hit a golf ball and you couldn't see where the hole was, but you heard a sound that sounded like it went into the hole. And you, I guess and, it was, it went in, but it didn't actually go in. Yeah. Or yeah. And, and, but it was somebody right next to it, the green right next to it that got the hole in one and you didn't, but you don't know it until you go, look, that's a false positive, right? It's disappointing, right? Why do we call that type one error? Why don't we call it a false positive? 
it's a false positive. Just call it a, don't call it a type one error and false negative type two error. Uh, Why do, why do we have this terminology that is completely cryptic and tells us nothing? I mean, they might as well have called it like shlubi shlubi and when you when you have a schlubby you have a false positive. And when you have a blah, 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 that's a false negative. I mean, they could have just made up terminologies and they would be as informative as calling it a type one or type two error. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, why didn't they try to pick something that would a term that was informative of itself? And you didn't just have to memorize the term. I'm terrible at memorizing. And I'm actually surprised. And I'm actually suspicious that I might be getting type one and type two errors wrong because I can never remember what they're actually referring to because they don't actually, there's no meaning in the title itself. And that just drives me bonkers. Yeah. Uh, I, I have so much trouble with just a normal confusion matrix, <laughs> I, like precision and recall. I have to Google it every time. I don't know why I have to Google it. Uh, yeah. But I don't remember either. Yeah. I just have to look at People the little might, picture. I always yeah. look at the picture, right? Yeah. It's true. I always have to look at the picture and a lot of people, I mean, I remember, I remember when people are like, you should do a thing on precision and recall. And I'm like, I, I will. And I will do one on precision and recall, but I'm going to be totally honest with you. I will make that video. And by the time I'm done with that video, I will actually have forgotten what precision and recall are. And the next time I need to know that stuff, I'm going to have to like, look it up again, you know, cause I just, my brain doesn't wrap itself around those kind of, terminology things. I'll just forget it immediately. Well, I I think it's also important to understand what's relevant to your work or what's relevant to your understanding. And are those things going to make you a better data scientist if you haven't memorized? No, because I can almost always Google it. Yeah. And people, when they're learning, they get really wrapped up and, oh, I have to have this memorized. I have to have it on flashcards, whatever that might be. No, remember this the system. Remember or like understand it logically. You don't have to know what it's called. You just have to know that, hey, maybe it's really important not to have false negatives, uh, or, or really important not to have false positives because we don't want to be um oh well, false negatives are probably uh more important than cancer or something, right? Or you don't want to have someone have cancer and it go misdiagnosed. It's probably better to tell someone they have cancer when they don't than to say um, well, it could be bad in both ways, but I'd rather be told I have cancer and find out that I don't yeah. than, um, than the other where I'm told I don't and I find out I do and I die in like a month. So exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's exactly. So there's, I feel like, I feel like in data science and statistics and machine learning, all those things, there are, there are, there's terminology and then there are main ideas. And for me, the interesting stuff are the main ideas, the kind of the basic principles of which these things operate, you know, understanding variance is a main idea. Uh, You know, how things, you know, the fact that every time I do something, it's going to be a little different. Every time I bake bread, it's going to come out just a little bit different. It might be a little bigger of a loaf or a little smaller of a loaf or wider, you know, there's all, there's always variation uh, in everything we do. and so that's like a main idea. There's a bunch, you know, uh, uh, and so I like focusing on those things rather than the terminology. The terminology is important in, uh, in that sometimes we need it in order to communicate with other people in the field, you know, or, or if we're, if we're learning about XG boost, 
or gradient descent or neural networks, you know, it's, it's important to know that these things are called activation functions because when you're building your own neural network, they're going to say, and what activation function would you like? And you're, and you're going to be like, oh, I don't know. Josh said it was just a squiggle. You know, you know, uh, it's important to know that that little thing is a, is called an activation function because APIs and computing programming languages are going to want to know what activation function you want to know, but it's just lingo for the purpose of getting something done um, rather than the lingo being kind of having any interest or any value in and of itself. Whereas the main ideas of how a neural network works and what it's doing, the fact that a neural network, all it's doing is fitting a, a, a squiggle or a, or a fancy plane. It's just fitting something to your data. That's all it's doing. It's not magic. That's the main idea. And, and you can convey that without any lingo whatsoever, which is remarkable. Um, I agree so much. <laughs> Preaching to the choir here. So th those are the main questions I had. I'd, I'd love to hear, you know, from, from your side, uh, a couple of things. So first, maybe parting words of it. Well, we've, I think we've got enough on the, on the advice side, but if you do have any final parting words, uh, for advice for anyone, uh, next is what's, what's next for, for you, for your channel. And then also if there's anything you'd like to share, I can obviously go back through these because it's a lot of information at you. Um, but, but, um, you know, if there's anything you would like to share, anything you'd like to, to get, to get out there and get more known, I'll obviously have everyone, uh, link to your channel. Um, and a, a couple of the, the topics we touched, like the, the neural network, uh, mm -hmm. project you're working on, but, but, uh, the floor is yours. Oh, geez. All kinds of stuff. Well, I've given way too much advice for, uh, this, this, uh, interview. So I'm going to, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you more advice, but I will say, I can tell you exactly what I'm working on. Uh, right now I'm working, I'm in the midst of a big series of videos on neural networks. Um, I'll probably be doing neural networks until the end of the year. I, I'm just finishing up uh, my third video on backpropagation. Jeez, who knew that would take three videos to get through? I've got one that's on main ideas. That's the first one. And then the, the next two kind of show the details. Uh, so every I have a problem that's worked through all of the way. So you can kind of see how all the how the chain rule and the derivatives work at each level, which I which I think is. Uh, I hope, well, I hope will be helpful. Uh, but then I've got some, I want to do some more uh, videos on like the ReLU activation function, sort of, I want to be able to visualize what that is actually doing because it's kind of a mystery. It's like such a simple activation function. It's just a line that looks like this and a bunch of zeros after here, right? You got zero, 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 and then a line. And you're like, how the heck does that work? And so I'm going to do a video that kind of visualizes what that activation function is doing and how it works and how it can be used for classification. And then I, 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 ideally, I'd like to do like a, like a how to do neural networks in Python and how to do them in R and things like that. And all the caveats you have to know, uh, you have to know when you're actually doing it in practice because I've, because the theory is awesome and I love the theory. But I, I remember, I remember when I, you know, you know, when I was in college, I always had these summer jobs, and I'd learn something in college, and then I'd be like, I got a summer job that's going to use some of that knowledge, and I'd go to my summer job, and it was always completely different than the way they taught it in my class, and I'd be like, 
oh, what am I learning? You know, and so I, I love to I love to do both sides. I love doing the theory side, and then like let's talk about the messy like side of actually doing it. Uh, you know, and all those like little fudge factors you do and you're like, yeah, sometimes you got to retrain it a couple of times and because it won't converge and you just try it a few times, you know, it's stuff that you don't really talk about when you do the talking to randomize the weights. You have to do whatever it might be to exactly. You got to, or, you know, all these little things that, that you have to keep in mind when you actually do it. I I, I think it's fun to kind of do both and keep, keep track. So I'll be doing that. And then, oh, geez, what I'm, I've got all these like little, little stat quests. That's what I, after a big series of videos, I like to, like to then just do a bunch of little ones. Um, uh, so I've got like basic probability. I, I've never covered basic probability before uh, in, in any of my stat quests. So I'd like to finally get to basic probability. Um, and I'd like to, um, uh, uh, you know, so I've got a bunch of little things like expected values and uh, conditional probabilities and Bayes' rule and things like that. And, and I want to do that. And then uh, after that, it's uh, people have been asking me for years and years and years to do time series analysis. And that's something I, I'll be honest, I, I know absolutely nothing about, but I'm kind of excited that I'm going to get to dive in deep and learn pretty much everything there is to learn about it. Um, and in between, in between that, I'm going to do something called independent component analysis. And that's because, um, uh, some, a data science program, uh, that I won't name, uh, commissioned me to do that. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that as like, like a commission. Cool. Um, so I'm excited about that. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you have some awesome stuff in the pipeline. I will definitely be checking out your neural net series. I'm starting to explore using them again quite a bit, and I'm going to have to be for, for some of the projects I'm planning to take on with some image analysis, where that might be. If you do one on convolutional neural nets, that would be uh, really helpful. But yeah, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to try to get there. We'll see if I can get there. That's the goal. But no, I, I love it. I am so excited to see, see more of what you come up with. I'm excited to hopefully do a collaboration again with you in the future. And uh, thank you so much again for coming in. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you having me uh, in this interview and on your channel. It means a lot to me. So thank you very much. Absolutely. I, I had a blast. I learned it quite a bit. Hooray. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Ken's Nearest Neighbors. If you enjoyed it, we would greatly appreciate it if you gave us a rating and followed the show. It helps us to continue to bring in awesome guests. I hope you'll join us next week for a conversation with Forrest tonight. Forrest is a YouTuber in the software engineering space, and in our episode, we talk about the differences between data science and software engineering, how we made it into the YouTube space, making videos, and much, much more.